0: Welcome to The Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health Podcast, where we talk about the clinical and practical issues that face those working in the mental health industry. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Barrier Breakdown. My name is Erin Molyneux-Bailey. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Cognitive Behavior Institute, and my co-host, Dr. Kevin Caridad, who is the CEO and owner at Cognitive Behavior Institute. This week, we are joined to discuss the topic of OCD with Nicole Gibson, who is a licensed professional counselor certified in cognitive behavioral therapy, exposure and response prevention, and telebehavioral counseling. Nicole specializes in the treatment of OCD and anxiety anxiety disorders at Cognitive Behavior Institute and offers individual and group counseling for clients diagnosed with OCD, as well as individual and group counseling. individual and group consultation for professionals interested in certification and exposure and response prevention for OCD. So, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. We've been wanting to have you on the Barrier Breakdown for some time now, so we're so excited that you are here today. So, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you guys for having me.
0: Can we start off the conversation for our listeners today by sharing your personal kind of journey and interest and how you first became, you know, interested in mental health? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, what comes to mind is I had
1: two primary motivators for entering this field. Um, As an adolescent, um, I personally experienced the benefit of therapy as I um, sought treatment through my parents' divorce. And so I uh, felt that that was helpful and I desired to kind of help people in that same way. Um, And then secondly, I had um, a lady that served as kind of a mentor in my life. It was uh, a friend's mother who worked in the drug and alcohol field and was also my cheerleading coach. Um, And so just watching her interactions with uh, clients that she served and just hearing about her experiences Um, I just gained such a deep appreciation for her passion for helping others and unrelenting efforts to just really help those in need. So I think those two situations are what really solidified my desire to work in mental health um, as early as really a freshman in high school.
0: Wow. Well, that does not surprise me that you, as one of the most motivated and organized people that I know, uh, knew that calling as early as ninth grade. So that does not not surprise me at all. Um, talk to us a little bit about how you initially became interested in OCD. We know that that's a huge focus of your work currently.
1: Yeah. So when I started to work at CBI, um, I started uh, meeting with clients who had who were clearly exhibiting symptoms of obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, And prior to this time, I worked at a inpatient drug and alcohol facility. So I was far from an expert in this area and knew, you know, very little to be honest about OCD and its treatment at that point in time. Um, And I had always naturally gravitated to more cognitive behavioral therapy as my Approach, uh, and knowing that exposure and response prevention treatment is the best known course of treatment for OCD. um, I just really dove into reading books and literature online and working to understand as much as I could about OCD's presentation and its treatment. Um, And so I think with my natural inclination for CBT therapy, Uh, In exposure and response prevention treatment being kind of very evidence based, driven, um, I just felt like it was a natural fit for me. So before long, I think uh, it was just something that uh, I became extremely passionate about treating.
0: Great. And for some of our listeners who um, work with clients but may not specialize in OCD um, like you currently are, could you talk to us a little bit about a typical presentation for a client who may have OCD?
1: So as it states in the DSM, that a client has to meet the criteria for either obsessions, compulsions, or both. And now most experts in the field would say that clients presenting with OCD have both obsessions and compulsions. Um, So those obsessions are those kind of um, intrusive, persistent thoughts that cause some sort of anxiety symptoms. And as a result of those anxiety symptoms, they begin to engage in these compulsions as a way of decreasing the anxiety and to prevent feared outcomes from occurring. And so while these compulsions provide some temporary relief from anxiety, they are really what maintain uh, the OCD symptoms over time. Uh, And this can be seen in kind of a classic example. So let's say somebody had the obsession, what if I touch a door handle and I get some sort of disease or illness that would be the obsession. Um, And that might result in them compulsively hand washing, Um, bathing as a way of reducing the likelihood of getting sick or developing an illness. And so what happens is they begin to think that uh, they did not get sick um, because they engaged in the hand washing. Um, But as we know, OCD is very persistent. It's probably you know, not before long that another um, obsession comes up where maybe uh, OCD is saying, Hey, are you sure you washed your hands long enough? You know, what if you've touched something else since? You know, you might, um, you know, develop this illness that results in somebody excessively washing again. So it becomes this vicious cycle of the obsession driving up the anxiety, the compulsion temporarily decreasing that becomes kind of like ups and downs, ups and downs over time. And so uh, this is kind of the vicious cycle that we typically kind of see with OCD. Um, There are kind of common themes with uh, obsessions and compulsions. So with obsessions, you can see themes of like aggression, fear that somebody might hurt themselves, somebody, uh, they might hurt um, somebody else, uh, these violent or horrific images, fearful of something bad happening, uh, leaving the stove on, leaving a door unlocked. Uh, There can be um, themes of contamination. Uh, That could be a fear or disgust with bodily waste or secretions. It could be a concern with dirt or germs. Uh, It can be just like a disgust of coming into contact with those things, but it also can be a fear that it's going to lead to some sort of illness or disease. Um, Other theme areas are like religious obsessions, uh, uh, concerns or thoughts with blasphemy, excessive concern with right or wrong, uh, obsessions around a need for symmetry or exactness. Um, There's also somatic obsessions, worrying that they may be exhibiting um, symptoms of a specific illness or disease. Some of the common compulsions that you can see are some of those excessive hand washing, grooming practices, um, counting, excessive checking, Um, And then also a big area is mental uh, rituals or mental compulsions. Some people get confused and look at mental rituals as more of compulsions because they're thoughts. Um, But these are sometimes uh, special words, prayers, that somebody says in response to a thought um, to, kind of reassure themselves to decrease their anxiety. And that way they're more of a compulsion uh, than an obsession. So that's just kind of a general overview of the presentation for OCD.
2: One of the things we know about uh, OCD, particularly from clinicians' perspective, because we know most of our population who watch us are clinicians, is there's not enough individuals trained. And one of the barriers is this, uh, you know, in a helping profession like we are, we we want people to feel better. We want them to get better. uh, But yet these These things you talk about, uh, we want them to do them. We want them to face their fears. What was your experience early on when you began to experiment with EXRP and really making people really uncomfortable at times in great ways? Uh, How did you deal with your own internal kind of conflict? Or did you have internal conflict about, hey, I'm making this person not really feel better to make them feel better, which seems paradoxic?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I think that that's an excellent point, you know, and I think from my own experience, but I think also through, you know, completing consultations with clinicians uh, working with OCD, that this is kind of a common topic that's brought up is kind of our uh, a clinician's own kind of discomfort with eliciting kind of that anxiety and distress. And I think naturally as clinicians, like you're saying, we're hope, hoping to kind of um, decrease kind of their distress. Um, you know, in uh, the the long term. And with exposure and response prevention, we are, we're, we're working to decrease their anxiety in the long term, but short term, it does kind of increase that. So I think that's something, you know, just going into it, I think I was aware of and expecting. And I think I also bought a lot into the rationale for it, that I knew that there, this temporary distress and this anxiety was something that ultimately long-term was going to help this client feel better. Um, and so I think as a therapist, it's important to really believe in why we're doing what we're doing here. And I have to sell right that kind of rationale of like, why am I having so much confidence as a clinician and having you do these things that are so distressing? And so I think it's important for me to display that in, a, in my sessions uh, with clients who are considering this form of treatment.
2: You know, someone who's in the medical field, being a nurse prior, it makes a lot of sense. You give an injection, uh, makes someone have side effects sometimes, or it hurts to get the injection, but it's for a greater good. What advice do you have for someone dipping their toes, a therapist looking to uh, get into trying EXRP with their clients? You know, is there anything, any particular advice you would give them?
1: Yeah, so I think what was helpful for me is really understanding uh, about exposure and response prevention and its treatment. So um, one of the textbooks that is an excellent resource that I read um, before I really began working with these clients was that treatment that works, exposure uh, and response uh, prevention for obsessive compulsive disorder. I have it right here, the Foa textbook. Eventually, over time, I ended up um, completing the four-day EXRP training um, that CBI offers. And I think that was an excellent um, training just for me to kind of better understand and apply EXRP um, through kind of the... um, expertise and kind of guidance and knowledge um, that those presenters have. Um, So to me, that would be a starting point. Um, Also, the IOCDF or International OCD Foundation has a lot of resources available on its website um, for clients, for parents, for professionals. Um, So that might also be a good um, starting point.
0: And Nicole, you do two OCD trainings through our CBI Center for Education. Could you tell us a little bit about they're going to be upcoming um, in uh, later this year? Could you could you tell us a little bit about those?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the topics that I see uh, come up so much in some of the consultations is. Differential diagnosis, and I think it's so it can be difficult and challenging for even you know the most seasoned kind of clinician to differentiate between OCD and some of its differential diagnosis, so in part one, we really kind of hone in on finding OCD, what does it look like, and then I spend most of our time differentiating between OCD and some of those diagnoses, um, generalized anxiety disorder, specific phobia, trichotillomania, excoriation disorders, schizophrenia. So we kind of walk through uh, slide by side, uh, looking at the similarities and the differences between the two. Um, also covered in the first part is doing a good risk, risk assessment. As when I one of the things that I mentioned was that uh, there are aggressive obsessions. And I think as somebody is new in working with OCDs, some people get a little bit concerned. Is this client suicidal? Is this client homicidal? Or are these kind of OCD thoughts? And so I spent some time in part one working to really differentiate between is this client actually a risk to themselves or others? Or is this more of OCD intrusive kind of thought content? And then in part two, um, we take a a closer look at the process of assessing for OCD. So we walk through self-report measures for OCD, moving into clinician-administered assessments, then diagnostic-specific assessments, um, and then additional assessments, uh, assessing for a client's insight level, assessing for family accommodation, um, and then kind of going through more of the clinical interview. What are type of questions that you want to ask when you're meeting with a client and gathering information on their OCD symptoms? So I go through some kind of case presentations in there um, to uh, apply some kind of real life situations that help kind of um, really solidify kind of the learning process there.
2: Great. So. I know you've talked about some of the manuals you've talked about the trainings uh, you know what can you give exa- some examples of kind of clients experiences of on, from the treatment side what were the benefits to them how do they experience it from beginning to end
1: yeah that's another great question so you know I think one of the challenges that I experience as an exposure and response prevention therapist is at the beginning there's a lot of apprehension about really engaging in this treatment so At the start of treatment, you know, I see clients so motivated, they want the end goal. they want their anxiety to be alleviated, but they're really not sure about buying fully into this process of needing to exacerbate their anxiety before it decreases. So at the beginning, I find a lot of apprehension, pre-contemplation kind of stage of change for most of my clients. Um, And so we talk a lot about what uh, led to them making that phone call to schedule an initial appointment? How has OCD impacted their life in a negative way? Um, What would they be gaining if they had more control over their OCD symptoms? Um, But as clients really begin kind of engaging in the exposures, um, I definitely see kind of like their confidence confidence level increasing, where they kind of feel confident. Hey, I don't have to engage in this ritual to decrease my anxiety, that my anxiety is not going to last forever, that, you know, I can handle uncertainty, that the feared outcomes are, you know, not likely to happen. Um, and so it's really amazing as a therapist um, to work with these clients, because I can see from beginning to end, kind of the apprehension of kind of beginning it. And then at the end, Just kind of like this confidence and uh, like reclaiming their life as we talk about in this kind of treatment over their OCD symptoms, uh, where they're able to kind of do things that they never were able to
0: do. Um, And so it's pretty amazing. And, you know, Nicole, I just want to add on a more personal note, um, I myself have uh, OCD and it was really exasper- exacerbated, excuse me, by the pandemic. Yeah. And I really turned into <clears throat> someone who I didn't recognize. And I sought out this treatment, obviously, outside of, mm-hmm. outside of CBI, but, you know, by someone who was, who was trained in the EXRP. And, you know, while it is uncomfortable and while it uh, sometimes was not fun and while I had moments of self-doubt as why am I torturing myself, um, you know, I can for one speak that the work that you do and the work that all clinicians do to treat clients with OCD um, using EXRP is really, really phenomenal. And I I can just speak firsthand as to what an impact it had on my life and helping me to reclaim my life I'll say in certain ways reclaim that freedom to live um, you know because it is really cruel being trapped in your own head sometimes Um, so it's really a really an amazing treatment treatment Mm -hmm. model so I just wanted to kind of personally you know uh, share that with our listeners and then just you know also say to to those clinicians who, who do this type of work and do this type of treatment you know thank you for for your you know d- diligence to the education of it I know that it's it's definitely a, a complex treatment modality and it's, it's very effective so thank you.
1: Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I think as a therapist, I always attribute the progress to, to the clients that I'm working with, you know, because, um, you know, we're meeting however frequent once or twice a week. And I, this treatment is so active and requires so much work outside of the session. And so, you know, I really, credit my clients, um, because it is a whole lot of time and effort that they're kind of put having to put in, um, to achieve these outcomes.
0: So. Yeah. And and I know that, um, consultation is something that you also work with, um, with other clinicians, you provide consultation to clinicians who are treating their own caseload of clients, uh, with OCD. So can you talk a little bit about that one-on-one consultation? Because, We know that some clinicians who maybe are just starting out with this form of treatment, you know, they may take the four-day EXRP training. Um, They may not be interested in a full certification uh, through CBI in in EXRP, but they do want to start, you know, uh, practicing this type of of work with their clients and they are in need of some individual, you know, supervision on on a, you know, somewhat either regular or irregular basis.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... As Erin just mentioned, so I do offer the individual and group consultation, um, some of which, as she mentioned, are seeking kind of the certification in EXRP through our Center of Education, and some of which are just trying to uh, support and kind of guidance through um, implementing exposure and response prevention for some of the clients that they're serving. So, you know, uh, in my consultation um With clinicians, we just kind of determine what do they need in terms of frequency. So I've uh, met with some people weekly at first, and then we've kind of gradually um, decreased kind of the frequency of the consultations. Um, So we could meet as frequently or as little as you're interested in. um, And I really gear those consultations into Uh, around what you need, uh, what the uh, consultee needs from that time. Um, And so a lot of times it presents around kind of case presentations and we talk about different uh, in vivo kind of exposures that could be completed or, you know, how do you expand the rationale? How do you work on motivation, increasing clients' motivations for this type of treatment? So um, I like it to kind of be really driven by what that person needs from me. Um, in that uh, consultation time.
0: Wonderful. Well, I know that you are a great resource to the clinicians who work with you both through the certification process through the CBI Center for Ed, and then also the clinicians who uh, utilize you on a um, more irregular basis, but when they're in need for case consultation for the very complex, you know, care that they're delivering. So thank you so much for, for all your hard work and uh, devotion to, to OCD.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me today.
0: Absolutely. Um, it was great uh, having you uh, with us, Nicole, and for anyone who is interested on uh, individual consultation with Nicole Gibson, uh, which is can be done from anywhere in the United States uh, since or we're- beyond or beyond, you're right, (laughs) not just the United States, anywhere in the world uh, due to our our virtual Zoom format, uh, you can email us at info at cbicenterforeducation.com to get connected with her. And then if anyone is interested in the uh, EXRP four-day training. We do have an upcoming one in January 2022, which is on our website at www.cbicenterforeducation.com, as well as information regarding the certification program through CBI Center for Education and what that looks like uh, for folks who take the the four-day course. So uh, this was a great conversation. I like I had said. I, I personally have been affected, and I really appreciate all the work that you do, Nicole and Kevin, and everyone who does the EXRP. So all of our clinicians out there listening, um, personally, I I also thank you. So um, this was a great conversation, and we look to further connect with you, Nicole, in the future as you continue to help uh, help disseminate, you know, the the EXRP for OCD. And thanks so much to our listeners for joining us this week on the episode of The Barrier Breakdown. We hope that you stay safe and healthy. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Barrier Breakdown, disrupting mental health. Listeners can find all of our episodes on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. For more information and to learn about upcoming continuing education events, check out our website, cbicenterforeducation.com, our Facebook pages, Cognitive Behavior Institute, and CBI Center for Education, as well as our Instagram at Cognitive Behavior Institute, and our Twitter at CBI underscore Pittsburgh. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe.
2: We hope you'll tune in for another guest next week.